Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Efficient, safe, protected, controlled. A utopian city state run like a multinational company. Welcome to Singapore Incorporated. for thinking it's a giant, ultra-modern shopping mall. An interconnected, fully wired, air-conditioned nanny state where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts. And those things are kind of true, especially if you read the papers or the carefully monitored internet. around the litterless streets where everything seems to work just fine, just fine, and you think, or you could be forgiven for thinking, gee, maybe a one-party system is just what we need. You look at all the social problems and ethnic strife, street crime, drugs that Singapore has managed to avoid, and you could think, is this the life we want? It ain't my system. It's not the world I want, but... Damn, it has its appeal. Hi, this is Singapore. Jam-packed in between the carefully feng shui architecture, the skyscrapers and office blocks are rich, deep, very old, and deliciously funky remnants of the old world. 
Chinese, Indian, Malay, and a culture that still cherishes the joys of a simple good thing. A lot of natural foods you can get in Singapore. What's your favorite? My favorite is in Malay. I think you don't know. It's, we call it mee goreng. That's your your favorite, the Malay. What's your favorite Chinese dish? Chinese Hokkien mee. Hokkien mee. Hokkien mee. Sometimes chicken rice. Chicken, of course. Yes. That's my favorite Indian dish. Definitely nasi biryani. You know that? The biryani. Yeah, biryani rice. You got it. <laughs> oh, Sungai Road, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's the best lock size on Sungai Road. It's funny, I recognize every place here by food. <laughs> ตอนนี้ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮาวอยู่ฮ
get my apron. Stamford Raffles arrived in Singapore in 1819 with the British East India Company, establishing it first as a trading post for the British Empire. Soon thereafter, Singapore grew, quickly becoming an economic hub and regional capital for the British Empire's new colony on the Malay Peninsula. After World War II, Singapore clamored for independence, first becoming a part of the Malaysian Federation, then a fully independent state in 1965. Helmed by its first Prime Minister, Lee Kuan Yew, tiny Singapore famously went from a third world outpost to a first world nation in a single generation. In Singapore, yeah. rules and regulations in Singapore is very strict. We have to follow them. Like I'm, I'm driving taxi, right. uh, I can't break any law. So the camera catches? Yeah, everything is in camera. So it's very important to everyone. We have to follow the rules and regulations. That's the reason Singapore is very good. Same time, Singaporeans are very hardworking persons. As human beings, what we need, food to eat, clothes to wear, place to sleep. You can get it in Singapore. So, in other words, we have to continue work, is it? We work and we'll get something. Once lazy, we're out. By some measure, Singapore is a welfare state, taking care of the less fortunate. But at its heart, it's a cold-blooded meritocracy. You follow the rules, and there are many, work hard, and you'll have a good life. That's the message. We are starting to define the definition of success. I think before, we are very clear with the five Cs. Car, condominium, a credit card, uh, cash, and career. Wow, that sounds awful, dude. Yeah, dude. I mean, I grew up in that idea. I grew that's up in that. good. Yeah, exactly. That sounds kind of depressing. I know, but that's, that's the past. The Muslim Quarter, just following afternoon prayers. I'm here with Najib Ali, the Singapore and Malay entertainer and producer. Yeah, okay. Oh, looking good. This is it. So this is a... Lontong. Lontong, and this? This is Misiao. Oh. We're having Lontong. Rice cake, coconut gravy, vegetables, and a hard-boiled egg. And Misiao. Fried rice noodles with chili paste, prawns, bean sprouts, and a spicy sweet and sour gravy. Fried bean curd and an egg. Mmm. Delicious. Mm. I mean, we like to make fun of uh, Singapore in the West and call it Disneyland with the death penalty. And we're, we're skeptical, of course, of uh, one-party rule. We're skeptical of uh, constraints on freedom of the press or the things you can't do. Can't do. Yeah, you can't do, yeah. Do you think that, that young, creative Singaporeans feel those constraints and suffer from them? I think some of them who travel knows better. Most of them are over-educated and under-exposed, meaning they are, they are very little experience in what they know. And I think that's what we are lacking. They're looking for things to do. And, and the problem with this is always that we're living in a small country and we have nowhere to go and where do we experience these things? If you're a New Yorker and you don't like the city life, 
They say, shit, I'm, say, I'm not going to. You can say shit on the show. <laughs> I'm going to take this. I think we have two out. more on this hour. <laughs> I'm going to get out one. city. So you go to Minnesota, you go to Texas, you take time right. to think about. And even in Malaysia, when you are in Kuala Lumpur and you go like, you go to Trungganu, you go to Klantan, we have nowhere to go. Not only is Singapore a small city state, a little more than half the size of LA, but there's also a pressure of a kind from a big brother government who's always watching, however benevolently one might think. Every day, as an entertainer, as a producer director, we are reminded what not to do. Don't insult other races, don't insult other religion. There are some parameters that we need, always need to see. But I right. think as a creative person, I think we are always trying to work out. And I think that's challenge, challenging for us. And again, most of the things that I do on television is funded by the government. So, you know, so what? You're biting the hand that feeds you. <laughs> but our job is basically as an entertainer here, just to purely entertain. And we know there are lines that we can't cross. Religion, our ancestors, our parents, you know, things like that. So it's... You can't make fun of your parents in, in comedy? Uh, if your own parent is okay. You have any, your, I mean, fa family member? I mean... Yeah. But I give high marks when they, you know, they can give you a twist to a story of a mother-in-law. Right. A, a mother-in-law is okay. Your mother-in-law is okay. Why does a mother-in-law always get <laughs> I don't know. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life. I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Basic level, Singapore works in so many ways. Security, your family, education. Housing. So, housing. So in a way, you're kind of numbed into thinking that, you know, everything's wonderful. And then you start to wonder after a while, is there another way of life? You know, I, I think that's the big kind of Singapore so, dilemma in a so way. So is there angst? 
Yeah, but there's everything. But I think there's no, there's no outlet for it. So everybody's, you know, going online. Everybody likes to be anonymous about it. Even online, they have paid the price for it. People have been let go of their jobs, and that's that's the price that that we have to pay. The price may seem pretty high by American standards. No political dissent, no right to assembly, a restricted press, and limited freedom of speech. Sadir Varaket, Melanie Chan, and Tanya Angora, all Singaporeans, all navigating the rules and regs, both spoken and unspoken, that go along with prosperity, security, safety. Lore 29 in Geelong for fried oyster omelets and fried prawns with chili paste, bok choy mee, fishball noodle soup. And beef satay. I, I think one of the issues is that we're, we're kind of a victim of our own success in many ways. We've grown right. so fast, yeah. and I guess expectations among the liberals and progressives have just gone so far ahead, um, including myself. So sometimes, you know, we 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 need a reality check about about what society, what pace society can move at. So I think that's the tension. It's that economic growth has happened so quickly, yeah. and sometimes social mores. Social customs might take a bit more time. You know, a place where everything works this well, and a system so di- seemingly different than, than than the one we are taught to venerate, uh, that's genuinely confusing. So, what's the best thing about Singapore, and what's the worst thing about Singapore? I think best things are tolerance and efficiency. But you know, if you just Look around us right now, right? You know, there's like, there's like a mosque over there. There's a Buddhist temple over there. They're like, bunch of uh, brothels over there. Prostitutes walking the street uh, legally. They're regulated by the government, and everybody is kind of accepted this this quid pro quo situation, um, and and it somehow works. Okay, you were shaking your head though on on something you were saying. No, no, I I, I agree, but to be feeling so secure. And the security of it all, I think that's priceless. You know, it's like I'll do what I have to do to be able to afford to live well here. I'll work hard. I'll tolerate, and you know, and even then, it's not that bad. When it comes to me voicing certain things, which maybe the government doesn't agree with, I feel I have outlets that don't have to be public, right? Okay. And I'm okay with that. You you talk about feeling safe. Yeah, security. Uh, do you feel respected? Definitely. I do. Do you feel that there's parity for women and you are paid and treated as well as men? Yes. Yes, I think so. Yes. You know why? I think that's because of maids. What are maids? Maids, as in helpers. Maids. Helpers. I think you'll find, like, actually, if you look at Singapore, a lot of women are in the workforce. And the reason why that is so is because everybody's got a maid looking after their child at home. So maids are kind of like the opiate of the masses. That's yeah. what but, 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 opiate keeps you slothful and laying yes, on exactly. the couch. Exactly. But if you have a That's maid, you're saying it frees you up to join the workforce. It frees you up, but it also means that I, my husband now, he doesn't know how to serve himself water. Yeah. He, does, he goes, he goes, eh, water, like that. Laundry? Sorry? Can no. you do laundry? No. Lawn what? <laughs> really? No. Does anyone here know how to do laundry? We know how we to kind do of, it. in theory. <laughs> we haven't the done guys it. do because no. we did two years of military service. Oh, right, but the girls are pampered. Oh, 
When the last time you did laundry? When the last time you did? My mail was uh, four days ago. Four days ago? Yeah. yeah. What, you sent it to the butler? No, no. I enjoy doing laundry. Yeah. I live by myself in New York. I live by myself in New York. Yeah. And I, ha I have to tell you, maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a weird <laughs> thing. I enjoy throwing my clothes into the washer and then moving them to the dryer. It's a process that makes me feel very yeah. satisfied with myself. Therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. I, I feel very self-reliant. You know, listen to you people. I got to tell you, I want to like go out and join the Communist Party. It's like bourgeois, man. You're 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 living off the labor of uh, of an oppressed <laughs> underclass. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. start my own no, cell. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> For a state where an ounce of weed can put you in the jug for up to 10 years, and the same weight of dope can mean death, where chewing gum is indeed illegal, a surprising number of vices are allowed here. Drinking age is 18. Prostitution is legal, with sex workers getting regular medical checkups. There are casinos and strip clubs. The government seems to understand that, along with a certain amount of repression, safety valves are required. Get drunk, get laid, and you are less likely to be difficult. Perhaps that's the thinking. Or maybe it's just business. Singapore is the land of opportunity. People from all over the world come here to get a good job, to find a better life. As an overseas Chinese, we have been discriminated in Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, in America, Australia, all over the world. Suddenly you got this, uh, this guy called Lee Kuan Yew. There's nowhere else in the Chinese world have a real leader as big as Lee Kuan Yew. Much of Singapore's success is often credited to its first prime minister, Lee Kuan Yew, a Singaporean of Chinese descent, considered the founding father of modern Singapore. Reigning pretty much unopposed for 30 years, he's responsible for much of the social engineering that holds Singapore together, as well as the favorable economic policies that have allowed it to thrive. Michael Ma arrived in Singapore to take advantage of its business climate, becoming an early pioneer of Singapore's now famous nightlife. Back then, in the beginning, at the very beginning, was it a favorable business climate in the sense that did they look upon your early efforts uh, generously or kindly, or were they... I'm not so sure about this guy. I mean, uh, no. how was it? It was oh, a no, favorable no, no. from Singapore, the beginning. No, no, Singapore is fantastic. In and fact, what time did bars close? Two o'clock. That's where the opportunity I saw. You know, you cannot run this economy hopping on one leg. Like, you've got the right law, the right safety, the right... Everything's right. But the social part was not right. right. Two o'clock, you're, you're managing a teenager. Two o'clock, right. guys, go, go to bed. And so when, when did it change and, what, and why? I started my bars and restaurant in 99. Yeah? Yeah. And the Prime Minister of Singapore at that time went, 
What is Singapore doing? 2005, 10, 20, 30, 50. This is before all this. Right. I suggest partying all night type of thing. Welcome Singapore. Come enjoy with us. <laughs> I'm not very smart, so the only way they got me through university is just to throw a lot of parties. You know, I was good at throwing parties, but now I get paid to do it, which is even better. <laughs> shipping containers move through the port of Singapore. It is the busiest transshipment point on the planet. Singapore has fully embraced globalization, and that's proved in their case very rewarding. Singapore is an outsized economic importance, primarily because it's so attractive to foreign entrepreneurs, primarily in the form of multinational corporations. So right from the start, the economic strategy was always to attract foreign capital. Donald Lowe is an economist who spent over 10 years researching and writing about Singapore's unique financial policies. You know, this, this, this place is almost Contrary to the founders' original expectations, this place works. I mean, this multi-ethnic, meritocratic ideal, this pragmatic streak, this understanding that free trade is good for everyone. This, you know, this, this, this place is, after 50 years, it's, 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 it's deeply imprinted in Singaporeans. It's remarkable how open and, and, and welcoming of diversity Singapore still is. We are now living in times where globalism and globalization are, are bad words. Yeah, I know. We are seeing a rise of populism, uh, of, populism of nationalism. Which is why, you know, I'm worried about and concerned about Singapore's future. This is a place that has been the main beneficiary of globalization. And as the world turns against globalization, as the world becomes more inward-looking, as countries in Europe and the U.S. becomes more concerned about protecting their own borders, literally in the case right. of the U.S., uh, there is a high probability that Singapore will not thrive in such a world. Social engineering has, has been superimposed to hold that together, and I think what a lot of Westerners who come to Singapore um, come here skeptical are often reluctantly pulled into the inescapable conclusion that it seems to work. It seems to work, but of course the 
the post-independent Singapore government has been often accused of being extremely uh, uh, keen and extremely competent at social engineering. Of course, the most powerful instrument of social engineering is public housing. Right. We force Singaporeans, a large majority of Singaporeans, more than 80% of them, to live in these more or less uniform housing estates. But that form of social engineering also has certain benefits. Unlike most of the wealthy developed world, there's universal health care and little to no homelessness in Singapore. The country's public housing policy provides an astonishing 80% of Singapore's 5.6 million people with affordable homes, with 90% of the population owning their own home. Singaporeans would be hard-pressed to name a neighbourhood that they would describe as a slum. They'll be hard-pressed to name a neighbourhood where they'll say, oh, the people here are relative, live in relatively deprived conditions with poor schooling and poor amenities. I mean, most of Singapore feels... I mean, even though economic inequality is high, income inequality is high, uh, you don't see it in the public housing estates. Right. So it's a picture of general uh, equality. By ensuring its citizens are safe, housed, healthy, and for the most part economically successful, the Singaporean government has been effective at keeping the masses placated enough, willing to accept curbs on their freedoms and civil liberties. Do you think that the, 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 the Singaporean success story is a rebuke to uh, American Western values in some respect? No, no. I mean, is free speech overrated? I don't think we succeeded because of the absence of free speech. And to a large extent, no, look, the, values we spoke of free tra- the values of free trade, the values of a liberal global order, these are Western ideas, right? I mean, Singapore did not invent them, the Asia did not invent them. It didn't work. Harmonious it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't really worked like this anywhere else, and yet it, it works. No, I think but my, my, my objection or my, my discomfort with the lack of democratic freedoms is that I think we can allow a lot more of that without hurting Singapore's prosperity and stability one ounce. Right. What would we lose if we had a freer press? What would we lose if we had more democratic or opposition representation? And Singapore would make for a, not just a more livelier debate, it would make for a better debate. We, we may well arrive at the conclusion that the current dispensation, the current order, represents good, the, good, the best possible society for Singapore. But let's have that debate. I mean, it's a horrifying thought. What if, <laughs> it's, what possible, if... it's possible that, that the human mind, that the average citizen cannot deal with that much diversity, that we need these curbs and restrictions on our freedoms. Is that what if free speech is, like, is bad? It's like a drug, right? <laughs> it's too much of a good thing. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. ethnicities coexisting in Singapore, one of the oldest is the Peranakan culture, straits-born Chinese who immigrated to the Malay Peninsula in the 16th century. We have 
of a heritage that exists in Singapore that comprises five different ethnic groups. So you have your Chinese, you have your Malay, you have your Indian, you have your Eurasians and your Peranakan. And this makes the cuisine here very, very special. Cheers, Dan. Cheers. Chef Damien De Silva has made it his mission to preserve and protect the knowledge, techniques, and flavors of Singaporean heritage foods. Guan Ho Soon is the oldest Peranakan restaurant in Singapore, predating independence. So this is a dish that you probably find in Leho. It's sour, um, it's sweet because of the pineapple, right? And it's savory as well. Ikan Asam Nana, sour fish curry with pineapple. So really we're talking about a sort of, uh, you know, I hate the word fusion, but it is. it's natural fusion. It's indigenous fusion. It's a fusion that started 500 years ago. So now it's evolved so much, Tony, that it's become a heritage on its own, a cuisine on its own, you know? There's nothing, I think, that, that is like this anywhere in the world. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Okay, that's duck. Yeah, that's duck. Braised duck. Yeah. Itak Siok, duck braised with tamarind and coriander. And the famous lady fingers, or sambar bandir, okra sautéed with sambal. Who's cooking now? Has that changed? It has changed. You know, everybody wants to go up the ladder very, very quickly, and they want to do it in a way where they don't want to put too much effort in it, right? Where is the prestige in a Peranakan restaurant? You work in the kitchen 12, 14, 15 hours a day, you know, and most of them, most of them don't want to do that. So what happens is that they want to work in a French restaurant, they want to work in an Italian restaurant. Why? Because they get more money. Okay. Okay. I think it's a tactical mistake because I just flew halfway around the world yeah. to Singapore. And I sure as shit am not eating French food when I'm here. No, you're right. And, I, and you, you know you, what? You should. I'm not going to eat Japanese no, food. You, you, you shouldn't. So if you talk about Peranakan cuisine, right? And the, there are, are there people that cook it today? I can tell you out of a hundred Peranakans, maybe one. Whoa. Maybe one. So you're saying that basically you're talking about the dinosaurs. Yeah. This no longer exists on It's gone. One of the things I admire about Singaporean food culture is that people are very passionate about food. They value a fancy French or Italian meal as much as they enjoy uh, a really good chicken rice. Right. They're just not willing to pay for it. Exactly. You know, that's the public that we have to educate. And it doesn't make sense, Tony, because we're a first world country. You know, how can, how can food be so cheap? cheap? How long more is this going to last? That we pay $3 for chicken rice? It's insane. I have the solution. It's, it's an ugly solution. It's a terrible solution, but it, it, it's, it, it will probably be the only salvation. It's the hipster solution. It's yeah. hipsters will save the day. No, you're right. It takes people to stand up and say, look, I don't care whether his is $4. Mine is $12. It's $12, and it's worth it. But to go and work in a restaurant 16 hours a day, seven days a week, that 
needs someone who's not passionate, but a little bit mad. Yeah, you're telling me. A little bit mad. Cheers to that. <laughs>
Yeah, so if they're really interested in this industry, why not? I will just, yeah. You say, yeah. Yeah, yes. This is so good, by the way. It's delicious food. <laughs> mm. Now, Singapore is a rich country. A lot of rich people live here. Why can't you charge as much money for this traditional food as the French charge for French food? What do you think? Why won't Singaporeans pay? Actually, just a couple of months ago, we go through some of our old photos. And there's one photo that is like almost 20 years ago. There's a price list. They're selling their fried rice at $3 a pack. Right now, we are selling $4. So, 20 years later, $1 more. Why? Singaporeans love food. I think there's like a bond between us and the customer, so he doesn't want to increase the price. You know your customers. Yeah. You have a lot of regulars. Yes. A lot of them is like, they've seen us growing up, the three of us, and we see their kids growing up. So I think there's a different kind of bond between us and the customers. I just hope this doesn't disappear because it's, of course, always going to be the good stuff. It's important. Look a little more, maybe a little more. Delicious food. Singapore is a multinational society. We got Chinese, Malay, Indian, other races in Singapore. It seems to work. It works, it works, yes. trip straight back to where it all started for me. A simple good thing. In this case, one of my favorite things. Uh, here it is, the mighty Charkway Chow. Ordinarily, this is a breakfast. I eat it every time I'm in Singapore. It's just about the unhealthiest breakfast you can have. I mean, it's literally like lard, crispy lard bits, healthy cockles, shrimp paste, and a whole lot of noodles. And it's like legendarily fattening, originally uh, created for uh, to feed laborers. So it ain't pretty. Not the healthiest of breakfast, but delicious. Mm. If you're looking to fit into that silver lame speedo, this would not be uh, option one. Oh man. Problem is, you eat this surrounded by all these sort of wonders of Asia in the food court here, and after this, you're kind of done. I don't know how anybody works after this, frankly. Once in a while, you hit a little piece of crispy pork fat. Well, my work is done here today. 
Why? In Singapore, yeah. everything is perfect here. This is one of the safest countries in the world. We are gifted to be in Singapore. It shows a good example to the world. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.